Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. All right, time for another edition of Holding Court. And I've been looking forward to this for quite some time because, of course, the Women's Tennis Association has been at the forefront uh, in this Peng Shui situation. Of course, there are other things to discuss as well with the CEO of the WTA Tour, Mr. Steve Simon, who's been in tennis for his whole life. Many don't know, Steve, that you actually played some pretty good ball back in the day, too. I believe it was at Long Beach, and then you actually played at Wimbledon in mixed doubles. So uh, it's great to have you on. I want to commend you right off the bat for your leadership on this issue, which I've been speaking about publicly for many, many months. I know how busy you are. I know you just got back from Paris. So thank you for joining me here on Holding Court. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to be with you. And yeah, it's, uh, I've been very lucky. I've been able to be a part of the sport for my whole life. Um, feel very special about that. I remember actually meeting you the first time when I worked for Adidas and you were on the yep. Junior Davis Cup team. Right. And I had to make you wear some clothing with three stripes on them. Um, but um, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for doing this. And I, I want to get right into this because I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, but there's a couple, obviously, huge issues. I'm going to start with the China situation because that's the one that's been, you know, I was covering quite a bit on CNN and other networks. Uh, it's quieted down a little bit uh, on the major media front, understandable with what other things are going on in the world. But if you could just update us on sort of the current situation as it stands now, as far as you know, with Peng Shui personally and also with the WTA tour, WTA tour in general and the stance that you took a few months ago. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I do want to um, acknowledge and thank you for the support and the continued feedback that you've been providing through CNN and other other avenues, for sure, because it's important that the that the story does stay alive. Um, it is quieter out there right now. There's obviously a lot of other things that are that are in the world today that are I don't want to say they're more important, but they're they're more prevalent right now. But there's obviously a lot of work behind the scenes going on, which is what's going to resolve the issue. Um, I don't think it's going to get resolved necessarily outwardly. It's going to be inwardly. We're doing a lot of things to try to create the diplomatic and the lines of communication, because without discussion, you can't resolve the issue. And so that's where our focus is right now is getting to the right levels of communication and people who can uh, get the right levels of dialogue that we can hopefully get to a resolution. That is our goal. Um, currently, um, we, we did make the decision earlier this year that we would not be competing in 2022 still. Um, it was twofold. One, Peng Shui wasn't resolved and we didn't think it was going to happen quickly, and it hasn't. And we also were very aware of the challenges the region was still having with the issues with COVID. Um, so we needed to rebuild our fall calendar, which we have already just recently announced, and it's going to be again a full calendar, which is great. Um, but it is our goal to hopefully to be back there um, and get this resolved in a manner that's that's comfortable with Pong, the WTA, and of course the Chinese government. Um, my position has always been that uh, this wasn't about never going back. I don't think you resolve issues if that's the case and you don't make change in the world. If you ask people to make change, you gotta go back and support it. And uh, we will continue to be consistent with that approach. 
And what what do you see, Steve, as the things what I, I know there's probably certain things you can't tell us as you're doing a lot of this behind the scenes. I get that. But what are the things that you can say that you feel need to happen for the WTA to go back to China? Well, we need to we need to certainly feel comfortable that Pung is clearly free to lead, lead her own life in the manner that she wishes to, um, uh, that she's not under any level of coercion or pressure um, to to do what she wants to do and when she wants to do it. Um, the other side of it is, is we need to have a full understanding as to, you know, what happened in the situation, uh, which is why we asked for the investigation. Um, we don't know what the true story is. We've, we've heard Pung's side. There's always multiple sides to the story, and we need to understand what it is. And then what is the resolution to that? Um, you know, what it, what is going to move this forward and what is going to recognize the incident that's been alleged at this point in time and how are we going to uh, better that for the future? Um, I think that's what's behind this. Have you been able at any time through this process, Steve, to be able to actually speak to Pung directly? I have not spoken directly with her. We've had some email correspondence that's gone back and forth, but I have not had a direct conversation. Um, she knows where to find us, and she knows how to how to have that conversation when she's ready. Uh, we're not going to force it or pressure her into it. Um, but um, like I say, there's been plenty of opportunities for the discussion to happen. And I do believe it will at the right time uh, when she's ready. Um, but it hasn't as of yet. Now, she has had some conversations with the with the head of the IOC. I addressed that in a couple of my podcasts, which I thought was disgraceful, to be honest. I know you don't need to comment uh, on your opinion on that. But the latest I've heard is now uh, Thomas Bach suggesting that maybe Pung was going to travel to Lausanne in Switzerland, maybe attend a WTA tournament um, as well. Uh, is there anything you can tell us as far as you know about that report? Well, we've seen the same report, and I, I do think it's a continuation of what we saw during the, the Olympic lead-up. Um, the fact that it's come out that the IOC has been in continued contact with her, um, which is obviously being done through the, the Chinese Olympic Committee uh, and coordinated through there. And now she's going to go to Lausanne and possibly to our uh, WTA 250 event. First of all, we'd love to have her at the 250 event. Uh, that's that's of course, uh, we'd love to see her, and she's more than welcome, um, as well as anybody else from China is, of course, more than welcome to come. But I do think this just confirms what we know in that this is a stage situation and another orchestrated um, visual uh, of what's going on. Now, um, when the decision was made by you, obviously, I know you consulted your board, uh, the players as well. You did an amazing job doing that. I wish the ATP would do a little better job, but that's a story for another day. Um, my own opinion on that. But, you know, one of the, I spoke to a lot of Chinese sort of experts that were not in tennis, you know, just to educate myself and, and try to dig into this story. Uh, and many of them really commended you, Steve, for the stance you took, because as we've seen, whether it's the NBA, whether it's individual companies, whether it's even in individual players, have never really stood up to China in any way, shape or form. 
if you could just talk a little bit through that process for me, how you went about that. And obviously, you know, we all know there's a huge amount of money. Economics is a huge play for, for our sport, for sports in general in China. And sort of how that came to pass that you were the one that was willing to take a stand. And I know a lot of good has come out of that financially as well with a big new deal for the WTA tour. But just talk me through, if you could, a little bit through your process of how you came to that decision. Like, we've got to take a moral stand here, which I believe is what you did. Yeah, I think I think you hit it. It's it's. I, I wish I could say it was more sophisticated thinking than that, but it, it was about a moral stand, and it was about doing what's right. Uh, we had a member, and and again, it's why we've kept our focus pretty narrow here. This was about our member um, who came out and had the courage to speak out about um, an alleged sexual misconduct or abuse, whichever way you want to put it, and. That isn't something that you can sweep under the rug or should. It's a huge issue. And, you know, there's so many times in our, our world today where politics and business and money drive and persuade decisions. Um, when you're getting into the topic and the area that we're discussing, you can't, at some point, you can't let that drive the decision. And, and you've got to stand up for simply the, fun, the fundamental principles of what this tour was stood for. And I think what we stand for as a, as a world um, on this very important uh, topic. So it was about taking the stand that is, is what's right. And it's complicated. There'll be repercussions from it. We've already felt some of them and we'll probably feel more. Um, but it is the right stance to take. And, and I'm hopeful that we can make a difference here for, for first of all, Pong, but more importantly about this issue of, of sexual assault and harassment, et cetera, that just, we cannot allow, and we've seen it too many times in the world where these types of issues have been allowed to be pushed under the rug because they're complicated, they're difficult um, to be done and, and uh, we can't let that happen. Well, I commend you again for uh, doing what you've done and continuing to stay the course. I want to ask you about your new sponsor, because I know that's something uh, that came about partly because of, I think, the stand that you took. And, you know, I had other experts tell me if, if more organizations started to do that, you may see things start to shift somewhat in China, because a lot of us sort of feel like, oh, I mean, nothing's going to change. I mean, we uh, we take the money and run or, you know, whatever it is. But I think you proved through this new deal, and if you could talk a little bit about how that came about with Holojek, um, you know, how that came to pass and why they were so interested to be involved with the Women's Tennis Association. Well, we're obviously very proud of the new relationship with Holojek. And again, I don't think you could find a better fit um, for our, our brand to be aligned with than Holojek and what they stand for and what their product base is delivering. Um, the stance that we took in with, with Pong and with China brought us to their attention. They were looking at sponsorship and they were looking at professional sport. So it brought an awareness of a, them to us. They didn't sign on and do the sponsorship because of the decision, but it allowed them to take notice of us. And then as we got together, 
we found uh, the great alignment uh, between our two brands and our philosophies and our what we stand for as organizations. And so obviously we're very excited about that and they've been terrific in the first six months of the partnership so far. And I think it's been great. Um, I think that this overall though is, is, is bigger and maybe it goes to the platform that we have. We've been questioned a lot, you know, why do you take your product to a place like China or the Middle East or some of these other countries where women's rights are an issue or, or which is specific to us? And you're not going to make change in this world unless you're going to go on in and use your platform as a basis. Um, they're usually multi-tiered approaches as you come in. So you're going on in with the idea that you're going to create change for women in the region. For China, it was an opportunity to obviously promote women uh, specific versus being secondary to men. It was about creating more opportunity for young Chinese women through sport, not just tennis, through sport. And then you've seen the growth that we've had in the amount of Chinese athletes that have come out of China since that time and the amount of opportunities there. So a lot of tremendous good's been done, even though we may not agree with everything that they do over there. Um, now, we have to hold them accountable when we're over there and they go against our principles that we stand for and the reason that we're there. And I think that's why we're there in the Pung situation. But I think if we do more of that in this world, we'll begin to address some of these issues. And maybe we can make changes in these places of the world um, that maybe we're not always aligned with or we don't always agree with. Um, because if we just sit back and let them do them, we're never going to make any change. And I think that's part of the strength of, of what we have and why we'll continue to go into regions like this where it makes sense with the right background and the right reason to be there and see if we can begin to facilitate change for the better. Well said. Uh, I'd like to pivot, Steve, now to uh, the Wimbledon situation. Um, very complicated. Uh, another situation that's fraught with, uh, as you said, you know, having to go through the process, which you've gone. I, I'm, I'm, I got to be honest, I'm, I'm torn about it. Um, one of the conversations I had with, with, with my mentor and your great buddy who you've known for years, Cliff Drysdale, when I spoke to him about it, um, because initially I, I sort of felt the same way that the WTA does and the ATP does, which is we got to defend our players. This is not right. And then having this long conversation I had with Cliff kind of pushed me a little bit towards, you know, maybe this was the right decision by Wimbledon because of just this is so atrocious what's happening in the Ukraine. And obviously, you know, maybe some of our list, my listeners don't Cliff Drysdale was a a uh, great player from South Africa back in his, in his day. So he wasn't allowed to go to certain events when he was playing in the late sixties and early seventies, because he was from South Africa. So he's, his point to me, Steve was, he feels that this was the right decision by Wimbledon just because it's one more method to try to influence change in, uh, in Russia. So, you know, I'm torn about it because I, I feel obviously very personally connected to the players, you know, as a former player. I've told this story a couple of times. You know, I grew up playing in Europe, lucky enough to go as a 15, 16 year old. And I played against 
you know, they, they were from the Soviet Union at that time. And I'm still friends with those players. You know, this is one of the beauties, in my opinion, of our sport of tennis is meeting people from different backgrounds and so on and so forth. So that's my long winded way of saying I'm, I'm, I'm still really grappling with this. I know you're you've taken a strong stand now taking points away from Wimbledon. So let's just start at the beginning of the situation. When did you first hear about the All England Club's decision and had they kept you informed that this was potentially going to happen, that decision made by the All England Club? Um, well, first of all, I, I understand and respect the variety of opinions and how people are split over this and really grappling with it. It's a uh, it's not an it's not a place or a decision that we normally find ourselves in as well, and and one of the comments out there is is about the uniqueness and the and the ex extraordinary circumstances surrounding this decision, which I think is what you were alluding to a little bit, yes. and and it's very fair. I mean, it is an extraordinary time. I mean, we none of us can look at what we're seeing in the news about this this um, the issues in the Ukraine and and not and not condemn the actions to the strongest possible ways. And again, none of this was is about supporting anything that's going on in that region. This also isn't the first conflict we've dealt with either. I mean it's it is unique. I mean if you want to look at it, the U.S. went in and pretty much obliterated Iraq not too long ago. Uh, we've had issues in Afghanistan. We've had issues in Syria. We've had issues around the world as well. So um, as terrible as this is, it's not the first time it's happened as well. Um, we first heard about um, the discussion because we, as a sport, uh, the Grand Slams, the ITF, the ATP, and the WTA made the decision that we would continue to support the Russian and Belarusian athletes competing in an unaffiliated manner um, in March. Uh, we put that together as a sport. Um, and that's consistent with the fundamental principle of our sport. Probably one of the few things this sport has ever agreed upon right, right, is, right. is entry into events, which is based upon merit and without discrimination. It's in everybody's rule book. It's in our agreements. It's a fundamental principle of our sport. And this sport has never banned an athlete from competing because of where they're from um, and or, you know, what decisions their government may have made. And there's been some pretty reprehensible decisions that have made, been made through the years. And I'm sure there's more ahead. Mm -hmm. When you talk about Cliff, which uh, the apartheid era that he played in and everything, it was clearly very unfair to the South African players. But the one difference there is, is that events were not coming out and making the decision of banning players. That was government. That was a country, not allowing that. That was the countries themselves, right? Something yes. that right. now is another level up. Mm -hmm. We were advised of this in March and at the Miami tournament uh, by both the LTA and the All England Club. And we received a copy of the guidelines that the government was putting forth that they were struggling with at the time. Um, the, the guidelines had two two areas of direction for them. It was either you could one, ban players, or two, you could allow the players to sign a declaration. And it was a declaration that they weren't gonna recognize support for Russia, et cetera, that was in there. Um, so they had the two options and we discussed them and we discussed the, never discussed the idea of banning. 
it was discussing how do we deal with the signing of a declaration, right. which is a form of censorship, um, but it also could have repercussions for anybody that signed it back in Russia or Belarus for their family, their friends, uh, etc. So we discussed that, and it was a legitimate concern. We didn't like it, but we also didn't say that we wouldn't do it. Um, we, but we didn't like it, and we were having discussions about it. Um, we went from those discussions to Wimbledon coming back and said, we've made a decision, we've made a decision to ban, um, and we're going to announce it at X date. So that's obviously put the issue in motion as to now, how are we going to deal with this? And we went through quite a period of time with that. The fundamental principle we took is, again, what's in the ATP rules, the WTA rules, the ITF rules, the Grand Slam rules, and it's part of the Grand Slam agreement, is that entry into these events is based upon merit without discrimination. Um, that means every player should be able to play. Um, the, Wimbledon made the decision to ban, and it was a Wimbledon decision. It wasn't the government decision. It was a Wimbledon decision. And the State Department of, of the UK has confirmed that it was a Wimbledon decision. It was a uh, decision by them, as well as the LTA for the lead-in events on right. the grass as well. So, so they made that fundamental decision, and it was a decision that was based upon, one, they didn't want to uh, obviously, hopefully engage Russian propaganda, which obviously just the announcement did just the opposite, mm -hmm. um, as well as... Um, they wanted to protect the image of Wimbledon and the idea that a Russian athlete would be holding a trophy in all of the areas of this unique period of time that you discussed. And is, is that where they want to be as, a, as an event? So in essence, they were protecting the image of Wimbledon at the expense of these athletes. Um, it's, the, the arguments that you hear is obviously these are unique circumstances, which I just addressed about how that's there. Um, why are you going to penalize uh, the majority for a few? Uh, well, the few is 10% of the field from a women's perspective. That's a pretty big number. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. That's not a little number. As well as if we allow this precedent to be set and don't take a stand against it, um, what is going to be the next extraordinary circumstance it's going to now ban another group of players or does this continue right. to go forward which we just can't do i, I will always take the position of, re, of protecting the rights of our members and and we will continue um, to do that um i don't have jurisdiction over wimbledon um all i have the only area i have is my grand slam agreement this breaks the agreement and the only thing we can do is, again, not provide our points. I don't have the authority to, to fine them or to sanction them in any way whatsoever. So I think there has to be an accountability that comes with the decision. They have the right to make the decision that they've made. We have to respect it whether we like it or not, but they have that right. If they do that, then they have to also then be accountable for that decision as well and, and accept what that is. Um, so for us, uh, it is about protecting our players and their right to play. It is about protecting our players and their right to play at future events and when other circumstances come. 
And now we need to deal with, which we haven't made the decision, the ATP has made the decision, is how are we going to manage the point situation um, from the 21 points that would come off the players' rankings right. and, and, uh, and, and deal with that in a fair way to the athletes because we want to maintain the integrity of the ranking system. And one of the key points of the ranking system is the right to defend your points. And here you're not having that same right. So how do we manage that? There are ways to do it, I think. Um, and again, hopefully um, we've left the door open. Uh, I'd love to fix this somehow because uh, there's nothing more I'd like to see than all the players playing and full points and Wimbledon being Wimbledon. Um, but we do have to stand up for the rules of the sport and nobody's bigger than them um, and the agreements that are in place. So as it stands now, there will be no ranking points given to the players at Wimbledon um, for the WTA and the ATP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, people say to me. Well, and the ITF. And, and the ITF. It, you know, it. I've always felt. I mean, you know this better than anyone being the head of the WTA and running Indian Wells as you did for so many years, you know, that the tours in some ways don't have a tremendous amount of power. Uh, over, you know, they really have none over the majors, as we've seen. And um, this is sort of the only leverage the tour has, really, is to, is to say we're not going to give points anymore for this tournament. Um, do you think that using that leverage now um, – what you you did it because it was the only leverage you had, or you did it because you thought it was the right thing to do based on your disappointment with their decision? Yeah, I think it's the right thing to do, both with the disappointment of the decision, because they did have a decision and an avenue to have made it a player choice, which would have been a different scenario. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't have liked them to have to sign the declaration, but it's a player choice. It would have been the same as Australia where you had the player had a choice where they had to get vaccinated or not. Right. No one was banned. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> there were some reasons that a couple didn't get to play, which wasn't too good, right. but uh, they weren't banned. It was a choice. It was a personal choice. And in those instances, they could have gotten vaccinated ahead of time and might not have had the issues that they, that they done. But um, uh, I think that's, that's the critical point. There was a way for it to happen. And the event made the decision to, for its own reasons to, to ban. And we, we have to protect those rights of entry, uh, I believe. In- interesting, because it's uh, you bring up such a good point. If it had been the UK government that had made the decision not to allow Russians and Belarusians just into the country, period, that would have been a whole different story. Uh, sure, because, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if look, if the government shuts it down and isn't offering visas, that's a different issue. And we deal with that. There wasn't too long ago, we had an event where we had to work to get some players from India into the country to play. And we did, we worked with the government, we worked with the event, but the event didn't ban them. The government banned them. That's a different, that's a different argument. And here the government put it on the tournament to make the decision and the tournament did. And the tournament had alternatives. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I know you're working diligently to see, it come to a, a resolution that's good for all. Uh, before I let you go, and you've already given me a huge amount of time, and I thank you for that. I, I, I want to at least talk a little bit about the players because, you know, I think women's tennis is in a great spot. Um, Iga Sviantek's been amazing uh, what she's done the last few months. I was worried, I must admit, Steve, when Ash Barty decided to retire 
And, you know, there's been uh, who's going to take over, who's going to be the next great player. We've seen there's a lot of diversity at the top and, and a lot of parity, which is in some ways good. But I think it's always great to see a number one sort of step up and Iga has done that. Um, so just, you know, your thoughts overall on where the tour is. I mean, Anne Jabour, I know she lost early in Paris, but what a, you know, a great story for her and coming from her part of the world where she comes from just so many amazing stories in the women's game. Uh, and as you've got the French open on behind you there, which I appreciate in watching, I think it's Alcaraz uh, try to come back and win that one. Uh, you, you know, just your take over on, on where the women's game is and where the tour is forgetting about the politics for a second. <laughs> well, I can't wait to forget about politics and actually get back to running tours and tournaments and things like that again. Um, first of all, I think, obviously, I think our product's in a, in a great place. It's an exciting place. It's, it's definitely evolving. And as you say, we've got a lot of great young players that are coming on and, and doing well. Um, obviously, Swiatek, um, Iga's done an amazing job. Um, you know, to, to take on number one as she did, meaning Ash's retirement, uh, which is all of a sudden sudden. I mean, it's like overnight, all of a sudden, you're, you're number one. Right. Um, you hadn't built up to it yet, wasn't expecting it to happen. And the way that she has embraced it, I think it says so much for her. I mean, to to do that and then go on a 29 match winning streak um, and winning, you know, uh, Miami after winning Indian Wells and then continuing it all the way through, I, I think says so much about her. And I think we've got somebody there that's willing to embrace this and understand what it means to be there and wants to stay there. And she's been doing this um, at a high level. I mean, she's been winning her matches pretty, pretty um, uh, not only consistently, but, but not going deep. She's, she's beating people. Um, but when you look at everyone else that we have coming up to, as far as the, the young players, um, it's so exciting. We've got Emma and Layla, of course, that were stars of the U.S. Open last year and are finding their way. Um, but, you know, you got Maria Sakari as well and uh, so many others coming up that are exciting. And I just think there's there's I feel really good about the product and where it's coming. And I think Iga cementing herself as number one is very helpful. We, you, you need that. You need that stability. Before I let you go, Steve, my last question for you is uh, the women's uh, soccer team. You know, that was a big deal in the last week or so announcing the, the U.S. Soccer uh, Federation announced that they'll be paid equally. Um, and I have to say, it's always been a source of pride for me being in the tennis community that the men's and women's tours, certainly at, the, at least at the majors and over the course of the last you know, 40 years have been equal prize money, obviously what, and I love what, because I know what you stand for at the WTA is so much of what Billie Jean and then, you know, Martina and Chrissy, the legends of the game put into the tour and put into the sport. So that must've given you a lot of pride to see that happening in another sport in, in women's soccer, where, you know, not everything's totally equal, obviously, but that was a major step forward for women's sports in general. It's huge. Um, it's uh, I think it's it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable agreement that was reached. And, and I think it's it's historic in many ways. Uh, tennis has been the leader. They were the first ones to to do it and do it at the highest levels. Um, and that it is our Grand Slams and our four biggest combined events on our tour are all equal prize money. 
we now need to do more and obviously get the rest of our events up to equal prize money level events, at least at the minimum levels. And it's something that we're working on some strategies right now that will hopefully allow us to do that over the next five to 10 years, which would be great. But there, it's a huge issue out there. It's not just sports, it's, it's women's and the work environment as well and salaries of, of employees and everybody else that needs to be there. But I think it was, uh, was just a terrific thing to see. And, um, you know, one of the things that came there, which our sport's been able to do and happened in soccer too, is the men stepped up um, and they played a role in this. And it's going to take some of that as well to say, look, this is just right. And uh, we talk the talk. We now need to walk the walk and make it happen. And there's a huge, there's a huge uh, cavern there that has to be built up through many, many years. Um, but we need to do it and keep working on it. But my hat's off to the to what was done here. And I think it's terrific. Well, I think it's terrific what you've done, Steve, for the WTA Tour. I want to thank you for giving me as much time as you did. Um, keep fighting the fight, fighting the good fight. You, you may even have convinced me, uh, you know, I'm still uh, <laughs> working through it, you know, as far as the Wimbledon decision goes. But thank you for all you're doing for tennis and have done for tennis. You didn't get me to keep those, you know, in that Adidas clothes. I mean, the suit no. had a lot of influence on the McEnroe's. I, what can I tell you? I, just the fact that we got you to do it for Juju Davis Cup was good enough. We understood, but it was was a lot of fun and understand it. But uh, no, I I appreciate it. It's um, we're lucky to be in the sport, and and we have a lot of polarizing issues out there. We won't all agree on them, but. Uh, well, one thing we'll say is that the, when we are doing something, we're doing what we think is the right thing to do. There's no alternative motives or anything behind it. And we'll stand behind them and then we'll do the best we can from there. Well, as my colleague and my friend um, said uh, from USA Today, uh, why is her name blanking on me? Chris, um, you know, the writer for USA. Christina Today. Brennan. Christina, yeah, exactly. So she, we, she, we uh, were together quite a bit on CNN. Uh, when the 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 Peng Shui situation, and she said her quote, her line she always uses, it's been a master class in how to handle a situation like this by you and your with your leadership at the WTA. So thank you for a master class interview that you've given <laughs> me here today. I appreciate that, Steve. No problem, anytime. It's good Steve, to see you. Steve okay. Simon here of the WTA Tour on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.